So today I welcome Romana Campbell to the In Conversation With podcast ahead of her performance at Jazz Cafe Posk. Hello Romana, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. It's really lovely to have you on the show ahead of your performance. Very exciting. Yes, we're super excited. I can't believe the uh, time has flown and we're, we're nearly there. Yeah, January is either really busy, I think, or dead. I've been really busy. Sounds like you've been really busy too. Yes, it's been a really intense month. I think I was trying to have some rest, um, but I ended up working on a new film project. Um, the composer for the um, sleepover that's going to be at the Bush Theatre next month. So it's been super busy. Um, not so much moving about, but still a lot to do. Mm. So it's kicked off with a big bang for you this year, 2023. Yes, definitely. And uh, have you had any gigs so far? No. So the first shows that we will be doing will be for the tour. So we'll start in Cologne and then we'll finish at Café Posk. Uh-huh. And where do you go? So you start Cologne and then you go to where? And then we'll be down in Brighton um, doing a double bill with Camilla George. And then we will be at the Algar Room um, at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh, is that part of the Jazz Lates or Late yes. Nights, whatever they call it? Yes. Ah. Yes, so super excited about that. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, really good. And is it the same band for all the gigs? Yeah, so it'll be with Matale Chashi on bass and Jank Essen on piano. Nice. And how did you originally meet those guys? Um, so me and Matale met at Tomorrow's Warriors years and years ago now. I think it was just as he moved to London. Um, and I was, it was just before I started college actually. So he's about a year older than me. Um, and we met at the like Saturday and Sunday sessions there. So I used to travel down from Birmingham <laughs> at like some ungodly hour um, and make it down for the sessions. Um, and then over the years, I moved to America in the meantime, and over the years, like every time I was back in the UK, I was always like, oh, let's play, let's play. Um, and then finally, when I moved back here, I was like, right, let's make the band happen. And then me and Jank went to college together in Boston, um, and we literally just used to play all the time. Like, it was hilarious. Um, the most, It's like the most unlikely friendship, I think. Um, especially when people meet us, I think they find that so funny to me. Um, but we were at we were at college together and we were just like, yeah, let's play. And we used to play with our friend Luis. Um, and then when the pandemic hit and we both were just about to graduate, um, he gave me a call and he was like, I'm going to move to London. And I was like, say no more. We're going to get it going. Like we can have a trio now Like we can make it happen. Um, so he moved to London. Um, and then we kind of just hit the ground running, to be honest. We like I literally got the call and I was like, right, let's book some let's book some shows. Um, and I'd just done a project at the time for my 25th birthday. And we so we'd still been collaborating like on a remote basis. I was like, the shows are in. Let's go. And the rest is history. <laughs> Great. And that that recording you you mentioned, that was was it 25 songs to celebrate your 25th birthday or something yes. like that? Yeah, so I did the 25, famously the 25, I call it. Um, and I think that was that was like in the second major lockdown that we went through. Um, and I was so, as was everyone, just so frustrated by what was happening. It was stuck. Um, I'd had to go back to Birmingham because um, I was on tour right as everything shut down, which was so, so crazy. 
um, and I got stuck in Stuttgart of all places trying to get back and then just as they announced um, that everything was shutting down um, I couldn't get a flight back to the States so I ended up getting back to Birmingham and kind of appearing at my mom's house very unexpectedly <laughs> and I by that point I still hadn't been back to the States so I was still living out of like my tour bag I was still very much hopeful that we'd be able to leave and then they put that second lockdown in and it was just like okay I want to collaborate with people and I think those early years in your career are like so crucial and my the first like year of my career was like in a pandemic like staring at the fall so I put together the 25 project and <laughs> with so many amazing people like so many amazing people on that project um and honestly I'm just generally impressed that people um I mean I <laughs> I look back some I look back at some of the messages and emails that I sent now and it must have sounded completely crazy I was just like hey like let's work remotely and can you record this and I'll do this and I'll produce the whole thing and like it's going to be great and also there's going to be like 25 songs and it's just like I mean my mix engineer as well who happens to be Jank's brother like hilarious I can I just be like on the phone to him like every single day like yeah that mix works and we had to and that's how the songs got numbered as well because we we had like this list of 25 songs and it'd be like okay song number one yeah that works great tick number yeah. two yeah okay oh no can we do this with it and so that's how we ended up with all 25 happening um and the time turnaround on it was crazy I think from start to finish we completed that project in about four months like yeah. it was really yeah and I just I don't know it's that in it's that intense thing as well I think at that time as well there were no deadlines there were no gigs to work towards so there's like this weird determination I was like do you know what I'm gonna get this done by my 25th birthday and then I'm gonna take a break for a little bit so that's exactly what happened <laughs> that's a really positive thing though I think because sometimes uh you need like a bit of a you set yourself a goal and mm. you well and truly achieved it that's yeah. so good yeah it's kind of intense now but looking back on it but at the time yeah I'm so grateful for that time as well because it gave me so much opportunity to really work on my production skills to like write out so many ideas that had just been like little things in my head that I hadn't developed and things and mm. so yeah so now I'm like really grateful for it to be honest yeah and a great time to do it so you everything was recorded remotely was it yeah everything was recorded in the back bedroom in my mom's house all the drums and everything and then all the parts like Jank's parts for example uh, were sent to me like I'd message him and then he would record them at home so we didn't get to that's the only sad thing about that project is that we didn't ever get to sit in a room together and be like yeah this is happening and like zooms where I would be like trying to produce through the zoom and <laughs> all sorts figuring out how to set up microphones through zoom and those early days it was yeah it was hilarious but I'm so grateful for it yeah it's um I rehearsed my album in lockdown and it was when we were allowed out if you were a professional musician to a studio so yeah. we just felt so excited to be allowed out yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy isn't it yeah. and then it's it's like I remember the first show that we did I think it was at the Albany and it was just like so exciting to see other musicians and to just play and not have the you know lag of zoom happening because at that point I've been doing loads of like sessions on zoom and do you know what I mean or like trying to figure mm. out time zone issues or just generally technology being a thing it was just a time of like I just remember that first gig and being like being able to get the rehearsal in 
and being like wow we can do this again like okay and you know and <laughs> I remember also Zara's first few gigs like feeling like I'd never played a gig in my life like walking out of the house without my cymbal bag or yeah. like get into the car and being like do I have sticks with me <laughs> like having to put a checklist on my phone of all the things I would need <laughs> for a gig <laughs> yeah it's like that and uh, and then when when the gig was over like everybody even the you know the sound the guys the lighting no one wanted to leave because it was yeah. so exciting yeah 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 no one wanted to leave but we were all knackered at the same time <laughs> hilarious we're like sitting at the end of gigs with like cups of tea just like on a sofa somewhere just like this is really cool isn't it this is like this is great I love this <laughs> yeah very very special moments and and we're yeah. the only ones who will have lived through that I mean obviously all of us at this time but yeah. in history of musicians yeah it's, it's been a special time yeah it's crazy to think about now yeah so when you came out of lockdown yeah what was your first gig so you played at the so we played at the Albany. So I did a project at the Albany with Aidan Germa and Isabella Burnham. And that was still like the, it was like the first gig out of lockdown, but we still weren't allowed to have audiences. Do you remember that weird period? It was like, so it was like a recorded performance. And that performance, we kind of just focused on the idea of like healing and just kind of basking in this moment and being like so we've all been through a lot and that's okay and like let's look forward to the future mm. and then straight after that we ended up at Marsden Jazz Festival so that was the first gig we did with the trio so that would have been October 2021 um and actually for that gig we had a special guest with us we had DJ Nick Knack he's killing um <laughs> and again that was that was like just generally we were just so excited to be able to play gigs again I just remember like coming across DJ Nicknack and being like, you sound amazing. And I don't know how we're going to make this work, but you're also going to be in Marsden at the same time as us. So why not just be on our gig? And it was a bit like, are you serious? And I was like, so serious. <laughs> like, We'll figure it out. Like, it's fine. We can like chat over the phone and stuff, but Marsden is going to be the place to do it. Um, so the first gig we had with an audience was Marsden Jazz Festival, which was again such a chaotic time like Jank had just moved a few months before he was still trying to figure out London and he'd barely like left the city we'd just moved back well I'd moved to London for the first time and Matale was just moving back down to London mm -hmm. um and I seem to remember I like collected my like flat keys like the day of Marsden Jazz no the day before we were supposed to be there and so we were going up and so we like this I mean again it sounds so crazy when I say it out loud we literally just collected these keys off this lady and we're like thank you and then I was like well now we're going to drive up to Marsden of all places and she was like you don't want to go in and we were like nope we're gonna have to do that in a week because gigs are back and we've got to go and play so we ended up at Marsden Jazz and we were on the jazz refreshed refreshed stage um and yeah and we did that and then it just kind of like started to roll from there and then it was kind of crazy because it was like that was the October and then we managed to book for um London Jazz Festival in the November because that was the first festival everybody could be in person again and then it's just like and then somehow we're in 2023 um and it's just been like really hitting the ground running with that it's been so exciting but you have a very positive energy which is quite infectious I think Romana so this is probably oh, thank why you. You've made it. Thank you. You're 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 getting positive vibes from the universe, I think. I hope so. 
I mean, yeah, I feel very lucky with with um, some of the stuff that we've been able to do, and I'm so excited about this year coming. Like, it's really like I'm like yes, like now there's some really real. I mean, there's been amazing stuff happening, but I'm like, you know, we're gonna be recording the record finally, and just all of this stuff. Like, it's like oh, it's gonna be so good. So the tracks is, uh, that you're gonna be recording. Are they yeah. the ones you're playing at the moment? Is that what you're touring with? Yes. So we did, um, as a trio, we tend to write quite a lot. So we did a new suite of music back in November, which we debuted for London Jazz Festival. Um, and some of those songs also featuring Demi Ma and Seleku, um, who's an amazing vocalist, spoken word artist um, that we work with quite a lot. Um, so we'll be recording some of those songs that we um, kind of recently wrote and are still always developing. Um, and then we will be having another writing session in about a month um, to make sure that we have it. Um, we have the full record, which is going to be like super exciting. Um, and then we'll be recording it up in Birmingham. Right. So and that's you, be really fun. Is it under, are you doing it as an independent artist or are you under a label? How's that working? Yeah doing it as an independent so completely independent at the moment yeah that's yeah that is a good way to do it but it's a lot of work isn't it yeah and there isn't really like something that's been quite interesting is because I worked out the other day that I've technically been a freelancer now and an independent artist for just about a year technically and there's like there's not a handbook and it's everybody's experience is slightly different um so I try and ask as many questions as I can like I'm always like whenever I meet anyone I'm like oh what's your experience of this like what's your experience of that and you know how have you like how have you um like navigated this situation or something and it's kind of like the answers can just be such a wide range of answers (laughs) and then sometimes will not necessarily be applicable to what you're doing or something and so it's definitely been a learning curve lots of like admin i'm i'm pretty sure my ongoing joke is that google should be on my birth certificate as my third parent because i spend half of my day on google figuring out just being an independent artist and there's all this like stuff that nobody says and that's kind of confusing to me and i'm like huh okay so now i need to know what this means and i've got to spend like half an hour figuring out what that even means and so it's been a bit of a tough one but I am enjoying it and I'm enjoying the process of just learning constantly actually and knowing that every day like I'm learning something new and we're like constantly improving and that kind of gives me a lot of joy as well. Yeah and the skills and the knowledge that you're getting on this journey at the moment you will need forever so it's a really yeah. good good. Yeah but it is a it's it's very intense and I yeah I find it I find it just so fascinating how different everybody's experience is. <laughs> Yeah, and and do you find that uh, people can can kind of contradict themselves? And one person might say something, somebody says something else, and then you think, oh, I don't know. Yeah, what... all yeah. the time. Um, the two things that I find quite interesting are the are the bit are the is the information people will hold back, and that's something I find quite fascinating. And it's not like a bad thing, but it's almost like this. It's like this weird like freelancer slash independent artist thing and it's almost like I'm a bit scared to tell you that information in case somehow it's gonna like 
because in a weird way we're like in competition with each other but then also there's definitely space for us all so that's been quite an interesting like thing to experience and then when you kind of contact like industry professionals like sometimes it's like just like the language that's used it's like very like spacey sometimes and not very direct and I usually am quite direct about things so it's like sometimes I'll walk away from something and I'll either be like that was a complete contradiction or I'll walk away and I'll be a little bit like I actually don't know like what that meant (laughs) so I still have the same problem afterwards um but I think I do think that's changing though at the same time I think it's that kind of like it sounds bad to say but that kind of like old music business energy of like if I give away the secrets then it's like these are the secrets and if I give them away it's somehow going to be detrimental Mm. um and I think there's definitely like a realizing of like well actually like like tax returns it's like tax season like nobody sat down and said like this is how you do your tax as an independent artist or as a freelancer um and like I asked somebody about it and they were like uh well uh," and I was like it literally isn't gonna hurt your like hurt you in any way to help me out with this like I just have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) I've never never filed a tax return um and it was like oh right okay yeah you're right actually it's not gonna like I'm just like yeah it's not I'm not gonna like suddenly rock everything and then it's like oh yeah and then it's like yeah okay and then it's like then the information happens I'm like ah okay that's cool that makes more sense to me um so yeah it's been yeah been very interesting (laughs) yeah we'll all be coming to you then because you'll have all the knowledge I don't know if I'll have all of the knowledge, but I'm definitely always open to help. Like I'm always like, yeah, just drop me an email and I'll like see what I can help with. Um, I think the thing that I have learned the most is finding your system and it might not work for everybody, but that's probably the biggest thing that I have learned in the last year. It's like when it comes to whether it's money or like how you book gigs or how you manage the gigs or anything, it's like you need to find your system and like definitely take advice from like anyone and everyone like it's always good to have the information and then from that information deduce what your system is going to be and then when Mm. you've got that system it's like yes okay great that's like a I can get through that and I know that like if I want to look for gigs I know that I have a system of how I do that I know where all my like assets are to do that or if I need to work out I don't know like we were working out some we were working out like the information for like recording the record with the trio and it's like okay cool like I have a template that's just like if I'm working on a project all the information is going to be in that one document and these are the questions that we're all definitely going to need answers to and so between the three of us we can figure out the rest of it but like that's the starting point so it's not like we're just kind of starting in the ether and like kind of panicking it just gives it direction straight away this sounds very promising I hope so (laughs) I hope so but yeah it really is a thing (laughs) yeah there's there's lots of uh familiarity uh processes that you're saying that I'm like yeah this is a bit like me yeah (laughs) you just have to have you're right just have to have ways your ways of doing stuff that you know work and you feel safe with it so you know that it should all go okay yeah and there's a there's a thing about time with that as well because I think when I first started I really didn't have those systems in place and so like like I don't know trying to advance a gig was like the longest it would take me like a whole day because you know it'd be like oh I need to find like headshots 
and then I'd be like searching my hard drive like looking for them and it was all really chaotic so then it was like that's all time being taken away from me being able to do what I actually do which is be a creative and write and play and all these things and so once I hit that point I was like okay no we got to get this together because you know if you're booking a gig like the same five questions are going to come up for the most part and then there's going to be like some additional ones that might be a bit of a curveball but you can manage it straight away kind of thing um so yeah it definitely definitely is a process though (laughs) Mm, mm. it's great sounds like you're on it (laughs) thank you so tell me more about um how you got into playing drums um so I started it's so funny I started out actually playing piano and flute and then there is a very famous Christmas in which my mom bought my dad a drum kit and I still to this day will never forget that moment and I I, the two things I remember are that my mom wrapped it was in a massive box and she wrapped it in like that really shiny red um like foil type wrapping paper that's really difficult to get off (laughs) and the second thing I remember is I just remember that this box appeared in our house and it was like days before Christmas my birthday's right before Christmas and my mom had told me it's not for your birthday like you know and it's not for Christmas like just like kind of it's for dad like see what happens kind of thing like okay and my dad was speculating all week about what was in this box like and everything and I was speculating, we were, we were both trying to figure out what this box was. And I just remember the moment that the top of the drum stool, like the drum throne came out. And on top of that was a pair of sticks. So the two things came out at the same time. And I just remember being like, oh, it's a drum kit. It's a drum kit, it's a drum kit. And then the bits of this kit started to come out. And the agreement was that my dad, my dad used to work in um, like pubs, like he used to manage pubs. And so the agreement was is that he could have the kit at the pub um, because, well, the neighbours. I mean, I don't think they realised that that would then, would that decision would be reversed so quickly. But the agreement was that the kit would go to the pub. And like all of a sudden, it's like every day after school, I just wanted to go and play the drums. Like it was just like this, this and the kit was like a glittery red. And I was just like, we've got to go to where dad works so I can play the drums, like after school, like every day. And I was playing flute and piano at the time. Um, and it wasn't that I lost interest, but I found something else that I wanted to do. And I was just like, it was always about the music though. So I still really pursued the like flute and piano, but I was still like, but I want to go and play the drums. And then finally my mom found a um like a music school on a Saturday and I started drum lessons and it just kind of I mean that music school was so pivotal to me being able to be a drummer. Um because I wasn't from I wasn't from the like a very rich family at all in fact we struggled quite a lot and that music school provided you with like instruments and you were able to like have one-to-one lessons and ensembles and stuff and it was manageable like financially for my mom like she could afford it and um like I busked in the in the for my for my first kit I got like a flat pack kit an arbiter flat pack kit and um I remember busking and all my friends joined me like I played flute and we busked in the um like in the reception area and so when everyone was going past everyone would, like throw like a couple of quid in and like I bought my first kit like doing that like that's like I literally fundraised for my first kit and 
then that kit was with me for years like it was like the first show I ever did and from there I joined an amazing big band a community big band in Birmingham called the Notebenders and like it's crazy like there's some pictures oh some pictures appeared of me playing and I was like nine or ten when I joined and like there's these pictures that appeared a few uh last year actually some of them are on the artwork for the 25 and it's like you can't see me over the toms of the kit like I'm like little like <laughs> it's crazy and I was like but I was owning it like I was like yeah I've got my stick bag and like I go to rehearsal on a Friday and I play with this big band and we have gigs and it was like such a thing but it was like I always say playing an instrument sometimes is like a really like bad relationship it's like a marriage almost and you go through your trials and tribulations, but I always go back to the kit. It's like, I can have days where I'm so frustrated by whatever I'm practicing or whatever it is that I'm trying to realize. And it's like, ah, oh, this thing, and you know, gotta walk away from it for a little bit. And then it's like, at some point I'm like, ha, okay, I gotta go back to the kit. Like it always, I always end up back at the kit. And that was exactly what it was like when I first started. It's like, yeah, I would practice my flute. Yeah, I'd practice piano, but I ended up at the kit more than anything else. And then it was just like a bug from there, honestly. <laughs> and how did you get involved with Tomorrow's Warriors? So Tomorrow's Warriors, I met Gary. Hmm. When, what happened? Oh, so I was playing with the Notebenders, so the big band. Uh, and the Notebenders was actually started by Miss Andy Howden, who was a um, saxophonist, Jamaican saxophonist based in, based in Birmingham. Um, one of the cool things about Andy was that Andy played, he's a tenor player, and Andy played right up until he was about 96, like, and he would always be in the freshest suits, in the freshest freshest shoes, like, he was, like, always on it. Um, but Andy sadly passed away, and we had this massive celebration, because he was really instrumental in a lot of us in Birmingham, being able to have access to music, especially if there were, like, financial um, walls, maybe. Um, and his kind of philosophy was like everyone should be able to play and so sadly um, Andy passed away and so we had this massive celebration for him at Symphony Hall in Birmingham and and, um, and um, Gary was in attendance we had this jam session right at the end and so we all played and then Gary in I don't know if you've ever met Gary but Gary's hilarious he kind of ambles in like a really like like hilariously Gary way like it's he just kind of ambles really it's really funny and he kind of just ambled over and was like um so I have this um like I have this organization called Tomorrow's Warriors and like I know you're in Birmingham but I think you would benefit from coming down to some of the sessions and we have a band and um we have a band and I think uh they need they need a drummer and just kind of was a bit hmm, like it was a bit like yeah you should just come down it'll be fine um and he was like, I'll never forget this. He was like, um, I have one more business card left. <laughs> I was like, I forgot to go and get them printed. This is my last business card. So I'm going to give it to you and just give us a call or an email and we'll let you know the details of the rehearsal and then just come down to London. I think I was like 16 or so. And my mom's like, what? Like go down to London for rehearsals. And I was like, apparently like, and I'd not heard of Tomorrow's Warriors at the time. Um, and then, um, Alan Cross, who used to like help um, Andy out and like was really always about in the city. Alan Cross was like, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, like I, I, I 
like I felt so bad at the time. I was like, no, I don't know who he is. Like, who he is. Like, um, but he gave me this card and Alan was like, oh my God, he's invited you to do Tomorrow's Warriors. Like, oh my God. Like, he was so excited. And he was like, yeah, like, like the Warriors, like, and then he started going through the history of, of Tomorrow's Warriors with me. And he was like, Courtney Pine was there and Dennis Baptiste was there. And like, that is British jazz to a certain degree. And like, I was like, what? Like, and he was like, you, you've got to go, like, you've got to go. And so, like, a couple of weeks later, me and my mom ended up on a train at, like, 7 a.m. in the morning, going down to South Bank and kind of, yeah. I don't know how I did that. And then every week from there, I was down at South Bank and it was hilarious. It was before we had uh, Google Maps and City Mapper. And I, my mom would insist that I printed out every week. I had to print out the directions <laughs> from, like, Houston Station across to i mean it's like one train but it's like houston to to waterloo and then getting out of waterloo and i'd have to like get to session and phone my mom and be like hi mom like on an old nokia hi mom i'm at south bank and yeah and then it just kind of like bloomed from there it was crazy and i just yeah it's kind of interesting the room that we used to rehearse in had been closed for quite a while and they just reopened it and it was like the most nostalgic thing like we all walked into the violet room the day and we were just like whoa like so much happened like there's actually just it was so exciting to be there again it's like so much happened in the space like um yeah so that's how I met Gary and then that's how I ended up in how I ended up in Tomorrow's Warriors mm-hmm. and then yeah. how has that helped you up till now well first and foremost I would say the community um for me one of the things that well you'll know this is um the industry can be very London centric and so when you're not from London or you're not based in London it's not difficult to have a career but it's difficult to be noticed I guess and to be involved in like the things like in things I've seen and like um yeah so like kind of representation and being seen generally within the scene is quite difficult if you're not down in London all the time um, so the community and having access to playing with people that were my age that were like crazily killing like um would probably be the first thing and then from there like you know when I applied for um university or college um like I went to a school that wouldn't support me applying for music school mm. um and it was very like oh you could apply so originally I was supposed to go to university for mechanical engineering because that's all they would that that was they were the only references that my school would give me for those kinds of like for like a mechanical engineering course or something um and I remember turning up at Warriors like panicked because I just so wanted to go to music school and being like I want to audition but I like I don't have my references like everything else is done I don't have references and like Warriors were like don't worry about it we'll get it sorted and it was like cool and then it's like I remember like then some of the guys being like wait are you going to audition for school and it's like yeah and then it's like oh let us know what you're going to play and like I remember when I did my audition because they were like maybe first year or so I remember when I did my audition like this happened and like just make sure you've got this and make sure you practice this and so that sense of community at all times it just like helps elevate everybody I think Mm. and so yeah and then I ended up leaving that college and then I got crazy opportunity and scholarship to go to Berkeley and the same thing it was like the first like one of the first emails I sent when I got that when I got that decision from Berkeley was like I've got to call Gary and Janine and I've got to just be in touch with Warriors and 
I had needed a year to like get it like get my like visas together and this kind of thing I was just like I need help and they were like okay let's make it happen like that's fine and they got involved and helped me out and you know connected me with shows that I could do to fundraise again and this kind of thing and yeah and then coming back now it's like I guess it's like over 10 years since I like appeared at Warriors and it's like so full circle because now I teach at Warriors and I'm there teaching the frontline band and it's like so awesome to like have that and remember that feeling of being like like having like that contact and having that community and having the opportunities that they create all the time um and it's crazy it's like 10 years of them providing me with opportunity to be honest um as well as community um so yeah it's like really crazy to think about I like when I say it out loud like that it's <laughs> mm, great yeah and it's good you're back involved with it as well yeah on the other side yeah <laughs> it's quite funny though um some of the younger warriors now they're like oh you're from the OG warriors and it's like uh I'm not that old <laughs> they're like yeah that you're so, like you guys like when we when they reopened the violet room a couple of weeks ago that's like they were like oh you're from the violet room era of warriors and I'm like whoa like I know it was a few years ago but like I'm not that old please <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's really fun actually it's really fun that's great <laughs> I love that so how do you find uh obviously you said you've only been an independent artist for a year so maybe this is a bit of a weird question but how do you find it being a female in that world um it's a tough one um and again it's like re it depends on the day <laughs> it really depends on the day I think one of the things since coming back is that as much although there's still a lot of work it, although a lot of work has been done to improve things there's still so much more work that needs to be done um and I'm seeing that in all areas of the industry like I'm really passionate about education I'm really passionate about performing really passionate about composing and producing and it's like in the production world it's like women and non-binary people are the minority like significantly still like it's still noticeable it's like in education it's still the case it's like so there's still a lot of work to be done and I think what's quite interesting is when people decide to leave the industry and why they decide to leave and that's always so sad to me and it's like I know I know a lot of women who have like left the industry because of the pandemic because it was like just it was too much and they had families to support or they had to move back to different cities or like all of these reasons that were given and you know it's not to say that they're not valid reasons at all it's like they're definitely valid reasons but that weight seemed to sit a little bit more on women um mm. I think so it's a day-to-day -day thing and I'm always very intrigued by the thing that my like by the things that my gender will affect if that makes sense whether it's community like one of the interesting things that we get a lot with the trio is like sound engineers and it's like really got to a point where I'm like okay like by the end of this year we will just be traveling with our own sound engineer because we'll have sound checks and <laughs> it's like I'll be asked like what instrument I'm playing and like we had this recently at a show and it was like I mean well just before the new year 
and it was hilarious to me it was like so hilarious because they had my face like this massive poster of my face like right at the front of the venue and I'm sat at a kit in the picture and I walk in <laughs> and I've got like my symbol bag and stuff with me and I'm like hey you're right and first I didn't get the first thing the first issue straight away was that I wasn't um I wasn't like I wasn't um what's the word responded to so I was like oh hey I'm Romana like nice to meet kind of thing and it was just kind of like mm, okay and straight away they went in for the handshake with Matale and he's like got a massive face on his back and they're like hi great to meet you great to meet you like I guess you're in for today's show and he's like yeah yeah like uh we're in with the Romani Campbell trio <laughs> and it still didn't click and then the next thing was do you want to drop those bags here and maybe you can grab a cup of cup of tea or coffee and I was like a cup of tea or coffee and they were like yeah well it's sound effects and you don't usually let like girlfriends or partners in and it's like and I just was like looking at this person and I was like seriously like that's what we're gonna like that's how we're gonna start the day and it's like this constant like wait and you're just always trying to decide if it's going to affect like the whole day and it's like so tough to walk into an environment and for me music is all about serving the music and giving it's about having that interaction and that communication and then it's like really hard to like have that space to do that when that's the first interaction you have with the team and you're just like that's how we're going to start the day like we haven't even we haven't even got to the stage yet like what do we what, what are you talking about and I just said like I was like um I don't want and then it's that weird thing of being like oh I don't want to sound conceited but this is my show <laughs> Like it's 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 called the Romana Campbell trio and actually there's a picture of me on a drum kit like right at the door. Like we've just we've just taken a picture with it because we were so excited about it. And then it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, so now I'm questioning why that was a thought, right? And it's just like and it sounds like little things, but when that's happening like every day or money's an interesting one. Um, people seeming to, like if you talk about money openly it's like this really taboo thing to just talk about money openly um, when it comes to negotiating fees and stuff if I don't agree with the fee then I'm a diva and I'm this and like all these kinds of things come out and then I'm literally like we've had interesting things as well where like someone will offer a show to me and then we had it happen with um, again with Matale and they offered a show to him like same venue same space and they offered like nearly double what they offered me and things like this and then so then when I and then it's like you know I'll all like if we get an offer and the offer doesn't quite seem right I'll like contact friends of mine and I'll be like hey I saw you played at this venue do you mind me asking how much you were paid for that venue and it's all relative because if they're like super established artists and that kind of thing then that's way different but I always try and be like find someone that I know that I can be like how much did you get paid for that gig like what what was the rate there or what was the original offer before you negotiated and it's like shocking like it's completely shocking and like we had it with a venue like last year and it was just like well I know that you offered this spot to like my friend and we're kind of in a similar space we kind of occupy like similar spaces at the moment and similar setup and uh like it's like you've nearly doubled the fee for them oh and then it's like, as soon as I said that, it's like, oh, okay, well, actually we've, we found more budget. And then it's like the first thing that was said when we walked in is like, oh, 
Romana doesn't mind talking about money and getting what she wants. And I was like, to an audience, like that's how they introduced us. So after the gig, I had to be like, excuse me, that's like, A, that's not the audience's business, but like, there's so many other things you could have said about me other than that, but it's like, it made me out to be this like super like money hungry, like I'm only here for the money kind of thing. And I was like, that's really not what happened. Like, and you've kind of really, you've really reduced your role in that. Like, you've really pretended that, that you weren't a part of that. And then it's like, oh, well, I just started making a comment about it. And I was like, not to an audience, like that's horrible. Like, and then it's like, yay, now everybody come out on stage and I've got to be like, yay, let's play. Like, and really mm-hmm. I was like, that was really like, it was really vibey. Like there was no need for it. So I feel like it's a day-to-day experience. Um, I think being heard is one of the biggest issues we still face in the industry just generally um I think the dismissiveness of women and non-binary people in the industry is crazy to me um and that's really sad but I still but then I see like these mad glimmers of hope and I'm like it's improving like it's better than it was it's like and I know it's better than it was when I talk to like other women in the industry and stuff but it's like there's still so much work to be done like there's still so much work to be done and I I'm always like a bit scared when people are like oh yeah but like the number of women in the industry has increased and I'm like yeah but if you look at like production like studio and uh, production spaces like like women and non-binary artists still make up like less than five percent like if we look at festival lineups for this year I think we're all gonna like be completely shocked like we're all gonna be like oh shoot this is terrible like I think if we start to look at the like like the the just the major gender disparity that's still happening but but like do you know what I mean it's that weird thing and then like getting people to understand for example the festival like having a woman headline a festival doesn't make up for all of the women that you're not including <laughs> and things like that it's like uh, like it's, it's a bit of a minefield but I do think that as much as this there are like I said there's as much as there's space for things to be improved things are improving but we just need to continue keep working at it and and I I hope that during my career we get there I really do fingers crossed fingers crossed <laughs> yeah well, very very wise words from you thank you thank you yeah amazing uh I have uh, I'm gonna try and lighten the mood yeah you got it <laughs> So I don't know if you've listened to any of the other podcasts that I've done, but I um, I ask a few Hannah questions at the end. Yeah. So uh, the first one, uh, I've got I've got three. Okay. So the first one is, what do you like to do to chill out? <laughs> um. So it's at hard, the isn't moment, it? Because you yeah. just spend your whole time thinking, doing. Yeah. So, um. My friends would say drinking tea, talking oh, nice. tea. Uh-huh. like I'm that person when I need like a break. It's like, I'm just going to find a sofa and have a cup of tea. Um, more recently, it's been married at first sight, like just some kind of like show or something that I can kind of turn my brain off to. Yeah. Um, so something that can intrigue me um, and yeah, like walking and that kind of thing anything that can get me away from my computer or my drum kit which sounds really bad but I think it's like almost good to have that space um but yeah I can't lie marriage at first sight has been the thing because it's been so cold 
Mm. I tried to go for a walk the other day and it was like minus six outside and I got like down the drive and I was like well this isn't gonna work out I'm gonna be miserable in about 20 minutes so cup of tea and married at first sight (laughs) that's brilliant yeah what you need yeah (laughs) okay uh, next question um do you know what a desert island discus do you know that radio show no it's been around for years and years and years what it is is uh somebody famous is um goes on this interview and they mm-hmm. pick tracks that have influenced their lives or marks a point in their life and then they can pick one track that would be on their desert island with them Ooh. so what would your one track or album be oh that's so difficult Can I have two? Yeah. Can can we two? That's so hard. Okay, so it would be a very even split between Max Virch and Clifford Brown live at Basin Street. Pretty sure that's that's the record. That's how I got into playing jazz, to be honest. But a record that, like, completely... It was, like, a pivotal record for me that, like, just defined so much was actually Hiatus Coyote, Choose Your Weapon. Like... Mm. I I was obsessed about that album for like months after it was after it was released. Like, and do you do you listen all the way through those albums or do you like yeah. pick? Mm. Yeah, I but because albums, especially older albums, I think now it's a bit difficult because I think the just changes in way in ways that music is produced and released and stuff is a bit harder to listen to full records like that now. And also we just have access to so much music, but I do try and listen to an album top to bottom because 90% of the time it there's a reason for that track list order. There's a story, there's a journey, and I really enjoy that process. And also it's, a, it's like a really good exercise in patience sometimes. And I just want to be able to hear the whole thing as a piece because that's how it's been presented. So I'm a bit of an album person. Mm. But those are two records that, regardless of the day regardless of the time regardless of how I feel like I can put those records on and be like just completely happy about it and just listen top to bottom and just like yeah that's the one so when you record your album in the next few months mm-hmm. will you uh, I did with my recent album I I actually programmed it like a gig you know so it had ebbs and flows yeah. and one two three four four you know yeah uh, and then I spoke to and actually I spoke to Claire Martin and she said but things are changing and people will just pick for numbers so does it matter the order and to me it so matters yeah what will, how will it be for you will you worry about think, that order yeah we, we've been having that chat and just chatting about this like the space we want to create with each song and how we move through those spaces um, one of my big inspirations for how we're going to put the record together has been Emmanuel Wilkins. Like, I think his recent record for me is like, a, it It really sits in the middle of it being like an amazing album, but like I can totally see me going to see that as a gig. And if he did a show and presented that show exactly like the record, like in that order, I'd be like so happy about it like I'd be like yes like we got the peaks we got the lows we got the middle there's movement there's direction there's the journey there's intention there's a story like that to me so that's been one of my big ones because I, I agree I think it's quite interesting my, I've got two little sisters and I find it almost chaotic how they both listen to music 
they're like mm. all about playlists and it's like a bit of a song here and a bit of a song there and they're like very much a tiktok generation and it's like like they'll know like the hook of a song and not know the like rest of the song and things so it's been i've been quite intrigued about how they listen to music but i've been especially with the older of the two we've been like i've been playing her some records and just seeing like kind of like what she's into and not from a pressured point of view i'm just like oh what do you think about this record why don't you try this and she's like oh yeah i like this and so she's now starting to get to that age where she's like oh i want to listen to the whole thing now and i'm like huh so it is still there it's just about how it depends on how you're engaging with that piece if that Mm. makes sense but yeah i I think we'll probably approach it similarly to a show Mm. in the sense of like how we order it yeah last question okay what's your favorite time signature Ooh. I would have to say five. That's such a funny question. But Why? Get... Why is it a funny question? Because it's such a music musician specific question. <laughs> I'm a musician, that's what I'm asking. I'm really interested. <laughs> yeah. No, it cracks me up. Because it's like, you know, sometimes when musicians are talking, you just think to yourself, outside of this room, like if this was just the general population, this makes no sense. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'd say five, five, four. Mm, nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I approve. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't approve. You're like, uh, five, four. <laughs> I've just written a piece of five, four. All good. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just... um but then four four is also good you know everybody but everybody has a time signature that they they just love to play in don't they so i i find i just find it interesting yeah no i think the five is kind of fun and i really like interchanging five with four like i like one of the one of the songs on the 25 is called five versus one Mm -hmm. and it's like the story behind it is like that you know when you're in like a weird situation and it's like there's one person that can like kind of kill the vibe of an entire group Mm. it becomes like a versus thing it's like about that oh. but um it's quite funny because it's just like these mad bars of five that are just like littered in between that I kind of enjoy about it and mm-hmm. it, for me it just adds this it just adds intrigue and I mean, and also Soweto one of the most impressive parts of that is that Soweto is definitely um rapping in that song and he just like absolutely and masterfully gets to do those five bars so I'm always like very excited about that um but yeah I enjoy that <laughs> nice good answer (laughs) it has been really really lovely to chat to you this morning thank you it's been so lovely to to chat to you too yeah and um i really hope the gig goes well at jazz cafe posk it's friday the 3rd of february and it's how many dates have you got before that leading up to it on the tour we'll have three more before that you'll be like on it by then then you'll be on it ready for the first but you know what i mean it's gonna be great yep it will be great and uh they've got a house kit there so you haven't got to take everything yeah thank goodness for that (laughs) it's nice it should be a good crowd so thank you again and i hope the gig goes really well ah thank you so much thank you thanks for listening to this podcast for women in jazz media we have a great back catalogue of podcasts with amazing women including claire martin obe tatiana gorlovsky Colette Cooper and many more. Please do check them out and I'll see you at the next one. Bye!